We are in Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And let's, <clears throat> we covered some of this, but let's pick it up from verse 18. Romans 15, 18. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you, but now with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way by you, my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I am going to Jerusalem serving the saints for Macedonia and Achaia, have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Therefore, when I have finished this, and I have put my seal on this fruit of theirs, I will go on on, on by way of you to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So we had talked about in verse 14 of this chapter how after this very strong epistle, they may have gotten the wrong idea that that uh, maybe they felt that Paul was was not uh, uh, substantiating their witness in Christ, their love for the Lord. And Paul is then comforting them and saying, no, you, you know, I know you're, you're great folks. And uh, uh, he says that I just needed to get these things communicated. And now he says that, that he's going to go on in ministry and he starts making boast of what the Lord has done through him in verse 18. He was very excited about what the Lord had done through him. He, remember, he was the apostle to the Gentiles and he says, what Christ has accomplished through me resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So, he has this 1,500-mile circuit, this 1,500-mile distance that he's gone from, from uh, uh, if you look from Jerusalem, from Israel, all the way up into uh, Illyricum, that he's gone this 1,500-mile distance. And so you see that, that uh, he's accomplished a lot, and he's, he's not, oh, well, you know, I'm no good, I'm just so terrible, and, you know, it'd just be better if I weren't even alive. No, he's, look, look what God has done through me. And I'm very pleased about this, what God has done, because the the Gentiles, so many Gentiles were coming in. And this was through his ministry. And he says, 
I've accomplished everything I need to in this part of, of, of uh, in this part of the world. Now he has a desire to go to the eastern part of the Roman Empire. He's covered the western part. He desires to go to Spain, the most eastern part of the Roman Empire. And he says, I'll stop by in Rome to visit you. And uh, uh, that's what I'll do, is, is I'll stop by on my way to Spain. So that was his desire to go to Spain. You see, he had plans to do this. You don't always get to have plans fulfilled, but that is what he aspired to. He was in his late 50s at this time, maybe 58, 59 years old, maybe 60, somewhere around that in age. He's, it's presumed he died. He was beheaded by Nero in, in, in when he was about 62 years old in Rome. Uh, <clears throat> but he, he, wants, <clears throat> he wants very much to, to go to Rome. And then he, <clears throat> he says in verse 20, And thus I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. So he's not going to go to, to, to have, have uh, uh, you know, just, just to try to build on another man's foundation there in Rome. That's already been built. But he's going to visit them. But he says, But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall see shall understand. So he's saying that that uh, I desire to go to these places where the Christ has not yet been preached because it says in the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 52 verse 15, they who had no news of him shall see and they who have not heard shall understand. So he puts himself into a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah something that was happening that, that Isaiah had, pro- had prophesied like 650 years earlier. So Isaiah's prophesying something 650 years earlier, and Paul drops himself right into that prophecy and says, just as it is written, there's going to be people who have not heard of him. That's where I want to go. People who do not understand, I want to go and share with them. This is exactly what we should be doing. We should place ourselves into scriptures in the Word of God. In the sense that we take the Word of God and we make it a part of our life. I've mentioned a friend of mine before. His name was John Penny. He's gone to be with the Lord now. He was a drug salesman in Columbia, South Carolina. I taught for 11 years in Columbia, South Carolina at the University of South Carolina before I came to Rice University. And and uh, John was selling drugs. The Atlanta wanted there was a, a some Atlanta based drug dealers wanted to get the Columbia South Carolina business they came in they shot John in the back uh John was a very big man and and uh the bullet for some reason skimmed off his shoulder blade and then went perpendicular and came out his shoulder and he saw the bullet sitting on the ground at that point he gave his life to the Lord John never went to school beyond the seventh grade. His mother was a prostitute. He never knew his father. He lived on the streets. John had a radical conversion. And it wasn't a quick conversion in the sense that it came and went. It stayed. So I met John when he was probably in his late 30s, probably uh, uh, 10 years after this event had happened. I met him. And we started doing prison ministry together. And as we used to walk across the prison yard to the room in one of the units, one of the furthest most units in the yard where they would give us a room, so many guys would shout out, Hey, John! Hey, John! I said, John, how do you know all these guys? He says, I used to sell them drugs. 
And they knew John. And, and uh, uh, John was a wonderful man. And John had this amazing testimony. So here was a guy who came out of a home where his mother was a prostitute. He never knew his father. He never went past the seventh grade, lived on the streets. Loved God, served God. He had a wife, one wife. He had two daughters. And he lived in a very small home. And I said, John, how, how did this happen? How did you come out of that and be so devoted to the Lord? You know, because you see people come out of far less harsh experiences, get saved, and their whole life they're flip-flopping and struggling with things. How is it? And he said, when you take me home tonight, come in my house. So, so I was driving him home that night, and uh, uh, instead of just dropping him off at his home, I went into his home. In his home was covered with scripture verses, handwritten with a magic marker, and pasted up to the walls of his house. Everywhere you looked, there were scripture verses. But he had modified the verses. He put his name into the verses. For example, I, John, am more than a conqueror through him who gave himself for me. He inserted his name into the word of God. I'm telling you that absolutely works. It absolutely works. Paul looked at this passage in the prophet Isaiah and inserted himself into it and said, I am doing exactly what it says in the prophet Isaiah. I am helping to fulfill that prophecy. John put his name into the word of God. I have put my name into the word of God. In Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. God says, Do not fear, for I am with you. And he talks about how he will uphold us by his righteous right hand. And, and wherever you go, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I would envision myself, Jim, in God's righteous right hand. I'm sitting right here in his righteous right hand. And I would envision this as I'm going through school. Because I came to know the Lord at 18. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And for me, having that surrounding of the Lord was so important for me. To take me from a place of low self-esteem, thinking I can never do it, I could never accomplish much, to God taking me and putting me in His hand. I put myself into the Scriptures. And that's exactly what John Penny did to the extent of him surrounding his home with Scripture verses. And he would wake up in the morning and just start reciting these verses with his name in the verses. That works until the day that he was taken by the Lord and taken home by the Lord. And he died of a heart attack probably about six or seven years ago. He walked with the Lord. An amazing conversion. Paul does this. He takes his own life and he sees it in the context of scriptural prophecy. We can take our own lives and put it in the context of the scriptures where we insert our name into this. And we become a part of God's word. Because remember, the universe conforms to God's word. And we can be a part of that. We can be a part of that. And when we view ourselves in that context, it lifts us above ourselves. Look, this is no longer about me. I am fulfilling now exactly what's written in the Word of God. When He loved me and He gave Himself for me, I put my name into that. He loves Jim and He gave Himself for Jim. 
If that bothers you, then don't do it. But for those of you that want to capture this treasure, I urge you, insert your name into these verses that bring encouragement, because these are the promises of God, and let that be an encouragement to you. Verse 22, For this reason I've often been prevented from coming to you. So in verse 22 he says, I've many times wanted to come and visit you in Rome, but I've just been too busy. For this reason, this is why he's never been to this church in Rome before. He didn't found this church, but he's never visited it. It's a very famous church. He's never visited it, and he says, because I've just been you know, so busy. He says, but now I've accomplished my work here in this territory. From, from here to Elyricum, I have, Elyricum, from here to Elyricum, I have accomplished the work that you have for me here. Now, I'm going to proceed to Rome. That's my ultimate goal, is to go to Spain, and I'm going to stop off in Rome on my way to Spain. And I'm going to be encouraged there by you. He says in verse 23, But now, with no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you, Whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. So he says, I'm going to come, go to Spain, and I'm going to be helped in going to Spain by you. He, he volunteers them. He says, when I come to you in Rome, I'm going to be coming through Rome. I'm going to be encouraged by you. I'm going to spend some time with you, and you're going to help to fund my way into Spain. I mean, isn't that a bit presumptuous? That he should he should say, you guys are going to fund me <clears throat> as I go into Spain. But he knows a mature church, and he told them that they were mature back in verse 14. He says, concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. Remember, that being able to admonish one another, these are mature people. Because the immature, if you admonish them, if you correct them, you give them a word of correction, they never come back. They never come back. Let them go. Just let them go. They'll go somewhere else, they'll get corrected, and they'll, they'll, they'll go again somewhere else. A sign of maturity is that you can undergo correction without feeling that you have to leave. And so he says, I know you're, you're a mature church, you will help me on my way. He volunteers them to help them on his way. So they're going to underwrite his mission into Spain. That's what he's planning to do. And he didn't bat an eye at doing this. Because he expected in the body of Christ that if you are mature in the body of Christ, you are a giver. If you are mature in the body of Christ, you are a giver. I came to know the Lord at the age of 18. When I started going to church, and, and become, I became a part of the local church at the age of 19, and it was, it was the biggest part of growth for me. Uh, I learned the vast majority of what I know about, about the Bible, about the Lord, I have learned through the church. You think, oh, you know, your Jewish upbringing taught you so much. I learned nothing, nothing in my Jewish upbringing because I grew up in a secular home. If I had grown up Orthodox, it would have been very different. But I grew up in a secular home. So I am greatly indebted to the church. I started tithing as an undergraduate. I didn't have a job. My parents paid for my way through school, and and uh, uh, they would send me a monthly amount of money to get me through school. I would give a tenth of that 
He said, well, how'd you survive? I survived just fine. I survived just fine. I would give a tenth of everything that they sent me, that that was now mine, and I gave a tenth of it. And then in the summertime when I would get summer jobs, I would always pay a tithe on that. And and yes, I was a student, but I always paid a tithe on that. And I always had this expectation that I had to give, I had to contribute. Paul expects that. He expects that of the mature, that that we become givers. And if all you do is take and think, well, I just don't have much to give right now, you always have something to give. If you have food on your table, how are you getting that food? Somehow, that's coming to you. Somehow, you can give a portion of what you get. <clears throat> and and uh, and it starts now. It starts while you're in the stage. And I want you guys. You're going to start. You're going to see graduates come up here, and we're going to bless them on their way. If they are getting a job, I want you to. Don't hesitate to approach them if you're going away on a mission trip as a student. Approach the new graduates to support you on your mission trip. Go ahead. Support them. And and uh, uh, they're going to start getting a job. Let them start supporting you. They'll start tithing to their local church and they will start supporting you. That's up to them. You, you, you know, you're, you're grown up now. You're going to have a real job. You say, well, once I get settled, then I'll start supporting people on missions. No, you start supporting people now. You can certainly do $25 a month. You can certainly do 20, you know, something like that. You can certainly start supporting people. And the day you graduate, I hope people approach you to support them on their mission trips, just like people supported you. This is what's expected of us. He expected them to... Bring them on. And remember, this doesn't do anything for Jim Tour. I'm not asking you for support on any mission trip. I'm going to, to Israel this week. I'm not asking you for support. I'm asking you to support the people who are going on real mission trips to go and to start doing that. Start supporting people who are in campus ministry. All those campus ministers that gave of themselves for you, that taught you Bible studies all those years, you support them. When you graduate, you give back to them. You owe it to them. You are indebted to them. How do we know this? Because we are told. He says, he says in verse 24, For whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing, and to be helped on my way there by you, when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. So his immediate task was he was on his way to Jerusalem. He had taken up an offering for the poor people in Jerusalem. Why were they poor? Well, they were under great persecution. The believers in Jerusalem were under great persecution, number one. Number two, there was a famine that had been prophesied that had hit, which exacerbated the situation for them. And it could be, because if we, as we read in the book of Acts, so we read in the book of Acts, it says that, that, so the book of Acts is not an epistle that instructs us how we should live. The book of Acts tells us it's a historical book. It tells us what was happening. In the book of Acts, they were never told by God to do this, but it says that everybody just took everything they owned, they put it into a common lot, and they distributed it. That church, the Jerusalem church, became impoverished. I never want to see rich people give away all their money. 
I want them to continue making money so they can continue to be generous and give. What did Paul tell the, the rich people uh, to do in the epistles? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. He instructed the rich not to sell everything they had and just donate it to the church. He didn't do that. He instructed the rich to continue to be generous. I want them to continue to give money. So continue in your business. Don't just sell your business and give the... Continue to make money and give it. The early church in Jerusalem didn't do that. They just, and they were impoverished. Shortly after that, they were impoverished. Now, part of that may have become because of the persecution. We don't know, but we are instructed that the rich people are supposed to keep on giving. Why? Because you're storing up a good foundation for the future. When you give now, you get more in return in the future. And it's not just rich people, it is everybody. It is everybody. And he tells them, he, he says, that we're bringing this gift. And he speaks many times about this gift that was to be given. This gift that was to be given in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, 4. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so, so do you also. And so he was taking up a collection. So as he was going around on, on his missions, he was going to the different churches and taking up collections. In 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 6, now, the brethren, now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of the Lord which has been given to the churches of Macedonia, that in a greater ordeal of affliction. So he's talking about how much the Macedonian church gave, and he's encouraging the Corinthians to give in the same way. So in verse 26 here of Romans chapter 15, he says, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. So he's going to deliver that gift. He has questions whether they're going to receive that gift. Because if you go down, he says in in verse 31, he says, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. He is bringing a gift to them that he's been taking from the Gentile churches, accepting from the Gentile churches to bring to the saints in Jerusalem. These are Jewish believers, Jews, ethnically Jews, that have come to know Jesus as the Messiah. Remember, that's how it started out. All the twelve, they were all Jewish. That's how it started out. Remember, Jesus was Jewish. And that's how it started out. And the Gentiles started coming in in Acts chapter 9 uh, uh, with, with uh, um, Cornelius and then and then more and more through, through the missions of Paul. And so after it had been, the door had been opened by Peter. So he says that I hope they receive it because... There was a lot of distrust of Paul. There were lots of rumors going on about him. He wasn't even sure that they were going to receive this. He says, pray that they receive it. But look down in verse in verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Paul said, Achaia, Macedonia, Gentile churches, you owe it. You are indebted 
to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. Why are you indebted to them? Because you are sharing in their spiritual things. The things that had been given to them that he described earlier in the chapter. The things that had been given to them. The promises to the patriarchs. The promises to Abraham that were confirmed to Isaac and confirmed to Jacob. And then those promises were held as treasures by the Jews. By the Hebrews held those as treasures. If they had just... You know, forgotten of those, it would have been a forgotten people. But this had been ordained by God. He says, now there are spiritual blessings, there are material blessings that were promised to the Jewish people. You Gentiles are partakers of those spiritual blessings. The spiritual blessings you are partakers of. And they have ministered to you spiritually. You owe them. You owe them materially. I owe my pastor materially. I am indebted to him for speaking and teaching into my life. I'm indebted to Roger. He has been a pastor in this church 25 years. That's a long time because churches go through a lot of different mood swings and they get rid of pastors pretty easily. 25 years he's been here. Started from one campus, one service, I remember that, to two services to two campuses, each of two services, and now to three campuses plus multiple services, and we got a couple, we got a Chinese service and a couple of Spanish services, and, and so all of these things going on. I owe him. When he was a youth pastor, he was pouring his life into my daughters. My children went to Awanas. These approved workmen are not ashamed. I mean, he went through these Awana classes, and they, they, they did all these upward basketball things here. My children learned how to about music here and learned how to sing and learned how to do skits. All these things, I didn't know how to teach them this. I am indebted to this body of Christ. If I did not tithe, if I did not give, I would feel like I'm ripping somebody off. I am indebted to them. We are indebted to those who help us spiritually. We are indebted to them to give them back materially. This is exactly what Paul said. Yes, they were pleased to do so, and they are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. That is the scriptural principle. If you feel that, that you, you know, I, I just want to come, but I never want to give, that is a sign of immaturity. I urge you to grow up spiritually. I urge you to grow up and learn what it is to give materially to those who give to you spiritually. Now, I'm not asking you for any money. I don't get paid for this position. The university pays me quite well. But what I ask you to do is to participate. Give of yourself. Give of your things. And then as you give to this church, it blesses us in this ministry. There are lights here that shine on me so the Zoom people can see me. Did you buy that light? Did you buy that light? Somebody bought those lights. You know, that comes out of the church budget. All of the Wi-Fi system. And then when we had to go to all Zoom, they put in a, an ultra-fast uh, Wi-Fi for, for classrooms. So they have the, the public user Wi-Fi that you guys are using. And then they have a password-protected Wi-Fi for the classroom that I'm using that, that, that's, that's, that's got a, a dedicated and faster speed for me here. Because I'm going through the Zoom connection. Who paid for that? Who installed it? You know, these things were up in this high ceiling. Who did all that? Somebody had to pay somebody to do that. 
How was that done? That's what happens. You give materially for when you're benefiting spiritually. We give materially. This is what we are called to do. It's a sign of maturity. You don't have to do it. And if you don't do it, it's a sign of immaturity. Right? This is what mature believers do. This is what he's saying. And and it's not like, you know, I went fishing for this verse. I mean, it's right here. It's It's in our portion. It's in Romans. So this is what it tells us to do. This is what he calls us to do. He calls us to, 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 uh, um, to participate in this way. And he ends up going into Jerusalem and he ends up being arrested and he ends up in prison in Caesarea. He ends up in, in a shipwreck and, and then, and then ultimately ends up in Rome in chains. And he's put under house arrest for two years. And we'll, we'll hear more about that next time that we gather. I want to wrap this up so that we can, we can spend some time praying for the graduates. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Your word is true and your word is good. And Father, I pray that you take the believers here. And if there be any hint of resentment in them, Father, that you would you would work that out of their hearts and that they would gladly give materially to those who have given their lives for them spiritually. That they would start to donate into the ministries of those campus workers that have put into their lives. Those that are teaching them spiritually, that they would give materially. Father, I pray that you would make them mature believers able to be admonished without taking offense. Father, that you would teach them to be cheerful givers, to say, I have to give this because I am indebted to those who are giving to me spiritually. Father, I pray that you would do that, that you would work in their lives and work in their hearts, that they would be generous, that they would learn to give a tithe, that they would learn to give a portion of what you've given them. Lord, your grace abound. Your grace abound upon them. Father, for the unbelievers that are here, the unbelievers that come in, Lord, I pray for their lives as well, that they would come to know Jesus so that they could enter in and participate in these blessings. Lord, your grace abound, I pray. Bring them to Jesus. Father, I pray that I see a salvation today, that today I see a salvation. Lord, let me participate with you in this, that I could bring somebody to Jesus today, and then Jesus can present them to his Father. Glory be to your name. Let Jesus be glorified. Amen.